Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Neil and Jordan podcast, the podcast where two comedians talk like experts on subjects they are not experts on. This podcast, ooh, good start. This podcast is officially brought to you by Crush Organic CBD Oil. They've got a wonderful range of CBD oil products. If you struggle with anxiety, uh, bad sleep, uh, or if you just want to give it a shot, everyone's using it. Um, crushorganics.com, Crush Organics with a K. They've got their uh, night CBD oil, their, their recovery, their platinum, the diamond. I've got the platinum one right here. It's beautiful. They've got CBD oil for pets. And they're still raising the bar with bath bombs, gummies, pain creams, and more. How much better would the world be if everyone just took a few little drops of CBD oil every day? Use the code NEEL, N-E-E-L, for 40% off. And also, we are brought to you by Solid GPS. Look at this. Look how, look how professional this is with the All of a sudden, eh? When it rains, it pours. Ah, it's too good. Solid GPS. Nearly 50,000 vehicles are stolen every year in Australia, only slightly down because of COVID. To help recover stolen vehicles, your Aussie-built Solid GPS tracker can be placed nearly anywhere inside your vehicle, and it'll last for months on end. So if you've got a, a motorbike, a caravan, a car, whatever it may be, make sure you get Solid GPS. Use the code NEIL at checkout to get two months of tracking for free. SolidGPS.com. It's 100% Australian. Uh, make sure you get one of those. You'll always know where your vehicle is. No dogs can steal it from you. And if they do, you'll know where it is. <laughs> always tracking, always watching. SolidGPS.com. And shout out to Nathan, who is a listener of this podcast too. So, uh, yeah. How's that? How formal? How commercial? How formal is all that? It actually <laughs> sounds like a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, podcasts there, aren't podcasts unless you're like advertising very specific products. It always has to be yep. underwear. Yep. It's never something like Ikea. It'll be a type of pencil holder at Ikea. <laughs> a very particular type of male grooming product. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> a very niche so uh, retail food product. Like just some kind of weird, you know, vegan pancake underwear. Something like that. Mm. They can well, only afford to advertise on a podcast. <laughs> can only afford to advertise on a podcast. And where else would you want to advertise if you were selling underwear, beet, vegan pancakes, unless it was a podcast like hosted by two fat vegans? You're not wrong. Uh, look, perfect. you get a really tailor-made audience depending on the topic of the podcast. What do mm. they get with us? What's our What's our uh, demographic? It's It's... You, you know, I lost. I can't remember boys. if I said this already, but uh, it was it, yeah. It started off with a very like strongly male audience. It actually changed a bit last time I looked. More more women started listening. So hello, maybe there's what seventeen now. Shout out. Hell yeah, um, that's more than triple. Now we're gonna talk about tits and ass for one hour. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're playing uh, the long And the sex sells. Thought we'd stop saying the podcast, which I. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I still remember <laughs> that review. <laughs> it's a good podcast, but can Jordan stop saying the word puss? <laughs> nah. Fuck yeah. We'll say cunt instead. <laughs> no. Cunt is too much gash. for me. Cunt is great for everything. Uh, yeah, gash is full on. Gash has yeah, gash to be lot, the most violent. Me, it's, it's, yeah. It's it's a bit much. What is gash? Is that an axe wound? <laughs> oh, axe wound is what another is one. What is technically yeah, a gash? Oi, show us your gash. <laughs> nah, not a gash. Oh, yuck. <laughs> it sounds like it has no oh, sexual I'm reproductivity at all. Yeah. <laughs> just, a, just a toothless bogan. Outside the boy, yeah, show us your gash. <laughs> oh, oh. <sighs> <sighs> I would like to live in one of those towns. Pretty hot, yeah, yeah. That's that's exactly. Speaking of like, yeah, ideal porno fantasies. Fucking in the alley, uh, <laughs> next to the Rockhampton Hotel. Oh. People have done it. Yeah, babies How have low been would made you have there. to be for that? <laughs> Actually, you know, I'd just Probably like to know in low. comments if somebody yeah. has had sex in a really low place. Can you let us know? I want to know. Does it get any worse than dumpsters? Is there something just, more disturbing? Uh, public toilets. Alleyways. Cemetery. Cemetery's done. That's just being called being in year eight. Cemetery. I've I've made out in a cemetery. I haven't had sex in a cemetery. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, all that death and the the association with horror films. Maybe it's a turn on some some kind of dark masochistic fantasy going on there. But don't you think the real turn on there? Is that you're 15? It just doesn't matter where you are there. Except, you know what specific. I'm really, really did you, sad did about? You, what did you, is that what you did? Were you 15? Were you, were you making out in graveyards? Well, it was just the place where everyone got Reesties because it was the closest thing to school that didn't have teacher supervision. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody went there. <laughs> Hell. Everybody's <laughs> fucked in it's the graveyard. It's very Aussie, isn't it? Oh, mm -hmm. yeah? The fucking Risty Cemetery. Mm. <laughs> what a way to honour the dead. <laughs> I know. At least it's safe. Disrespectful. Isn't that amazing? Someone has, like, accidentally shot a load on a tombstone. <laughs> Fuck me. Filthy, isn't it? Oh. Oh, so you were getting bristies in cemetery. <laughs> yeah, I think that was the. It was that, and What's then the point I, of a wristy. What? What do you mean? Like, why? The best person to have ever to ever be able to do a wristy is going to be yourself, because you know what you like. So, 
I don't know What's about that. Point? I honestly think the be- in general, yes, but once this was really strange. Once when I was like, all right, here goes the female audience. They're, they're leaving. Fair enough. You don't yeah. want to hang around for this. Guys don't want to hang around this. You're just going to hear it anyway. <laughs> I think once when I was like 22, I was just with one night stand with some chick and I just didn't want to have sex with her without a condom. And man, she gave the best hand job. It was insane. It was like better That's than rare. most sex that I've ever had. It's what I imagine probably it's like going to wow. a happy ending massage. They must probably know what, what to do. Well, yeah, they're trained professionals. And they whatever oil they use obviously works. Right. But I'm more surprised. What, you did, so you didn't want to have... That's very... I was that's never very, up uh, for it. I could never honest do it. Honest off you. Not wanting to do it uh, unprotected. Good on you. I know. It was... I, I'd like, I regret that a lot because uh, I'm thinking of two chicks that I particularly offended by that. But look, no, I, I'm glad I didn't. Wait, have you AIDS. offended them by not? <laughs> by, I would have thought uh, that's they would. Well, they might be frustrated, but they'd think, "Oh well, look, that's good. He's he's trying to be safe." But there you go, maybe. Yeah, I think there was a bit of that, but there was also a bit of... uh, Newtown women there, so, yeah. Yeah, there you go. There's that too. But I think think handies... Man, if you're a chick and you're listening to this podcast and you know how to do a good tug, good on you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever I don't think I've ever come from a hand job. I mean, I if we're talking from like a hand job, job with other things. No, that doesn't I, count. Look, very it, rarely. I've I it's not often that it happens, but it, it if I'm particularly backed up and she's particularly good at it, it can. But uh from a hand job. Actually, no, there was one time I think I did. <laughs> Once, <laughs> I was like, a lot really of really afterthought. <laughs> yeah, I actually up. do remember that one time. Even she was like, "Oh, why? Why do guys even like this?" And she made a good point. I'm like, "Well, yeah, what? What? It's just like the validation of having a girl do it rather than me doing it myself." Yeah, I don't know why. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just like, you know, it's probably just the same as cowboys that know how to get some uh, star racehorse stud to come in that little receptacle. It's just the same thing. It's just a purely mechanical thing of like, yeah, there it is. There's the shaft. I'm going to guess anyway. I'm sure there's a science to it. I'm sure there's There's a, uh, a science. There's a technique to it. Mm. But let's uh, transition into another subscriber topic because we've got nothing we want to talk about. We're all we're all done. We're all flushed we're out with topics other than wristies in graveyards. So this one <laughs> comes from 
from um, this one comes from Mark. Hi, my name is Mark, huge fan of the podcast and I'm grateful for the many lessons and wisdom I've gained from the both of you. The, mo- the most you. wisdom you've gained is from what we just s- spoke about. My context, yeah, some, some I'm 23 years old. Yeah. <laughs> what is that on your mug? Is that a raccoon or a wombat? Wombat. Uh, okay, cute. Not a, uh, I would not okay. want a raccoon. That's such a scummy animal. Oh, that kind of cute and furry. Mm. It looks so mischievous. And they're always near trash. It's true. They are. They well, they're doing what they gotta do. Um all right, <laughs> back to back to good old Mark <laughs> yeah. here. I'm twenty three years old, live with the parents in Sydney, studying psychology full time and not working due to lockdown restrictions. The excess amount of free time and the restrictive amount of things to do with it has driven me to engage in some pretty sloppy habits slash behaviors. Definitely not alone there. And about two weeks ago, I wanted to make a change and take control of myself. I have a daily calendar where I cross out the days with either a blue cross or a purple cross. Once the days ended, the blue cross equals another day has passed. The purple cross equals I've completed my daily checklist of things that make me feel fulfilled and in control. That checklist includes things I must do. Wim Hof breathing, 15 minutes. Cold shower, three minutes. That's impressive. Cold shower for three minutes, like straight off the bat. Good on you. Uh, Read, 60 minutes. Run with Doggo, 60 minutes. Write morning pages, 40 minutes. That's This is impressive. This is a lot of good things that you're doing. Things I must not do. Don't watch porn. Don't eat meat slash animal product. No nicotine consumption. No alcohol consumption. No social media. Screen time above 60 minutes. Wow. If one of these items is not done slash is inappropriately done, I blue cross the day, noting which item was the cause of the blue cross. Over the last two weeks, 11 days have been purple crossed, three days blue crossed, Longest purple cross streak being five days. For the blue cross days, my only causes were watching porn and consuming nicotine. Mm. My question arises from this dilemma. It is significantly easier and feels more satisfying for me to do the things I know are healthy for me than it is to not do the things that are unhealthy for me. This is baffling to me because it's not like running for an hour or having a cold shower in winter is objectively easy. Not engaging in a behavior, especially if you know it's unhealthy for you, should be objectively easier than doing behaviors that challenge you. Yet, not a single blue crossed day is a result of me failing the behaviors I had to do, but rather me failing to cease doing the behaviors I don't want to do anymore. It is significantly more difficult for me to adhere to the not do items of the daily checklist than it is to the do items of the checklist. My question, Mm. in living a healthy and fulfilling life, I think most people would agree that you are trying to maintain a balance between doing good things that are good for you and ceasing to do things you know aren't good for you. How do you maintain the balance between the two and what are your views on the doing slash ceasing dynamic of healthy living? What does this say about the power of addiction throughout daily life and what is your advice on overcoming it? Thank you both so much for your time. Wish you both well. Well, first of first of all, that is a that's a remarkable list of things that you're doing. 
15 minutes of Wim Hof breathing, three-minute cold shower, 60 minutes of reading, 60-minute run, and 40 minutes of riding. That's, you know, take a bow already. That's uh, that's mm. really good. That's that's, mm. that's that, Those are some really good habits. Uh, and the things that you're trying not to do, not watch porn, don't eat meat and animal products. Um, no nicotine consumption, no alcohol, no social media screen time above 60 minutes. Well, first of all, again, well, I mean, not for... <laughs> Look, this is just uh, – I have to hand it to you. Uh, great discipline straight off the bat. Great list of things to do and not to do. I wouldn't adjust any of those habits. They're all great. You're covering the bases. Um, mm, mm. Reading, writing, exercise, healthy eating. And the Wim Hof breathing, I suppose that's – I, that, that's similar to say meditation and a cold shower for three minutes. It's not easy to do. I think, you know, we'll get into a deeper discussion about this, but I would presume a lot of those good habits are things that we're naturally inclined and programmed to do, or at least we're inclined to seek the neurochemical response that comes after doing a run or uh, reading and, and, and writing. The, there would be a certain uh, response that comes once you've developed that habit, once you've sort of associated that as a good behavioral trait. And that's why I assume it's easier to do those because what you want to do with habits is actually try and train your brain to become accustomed to the chemical rush that comes after completing the task. So working out, for example, is hard, but what you aim for is the, uh, the dopamine response. Once you've actually completed the workout or the serotonin, well, I guess it's a combination of both there, but you're also getting that same neurochemical response by watching porn and smoking you'd be getting those sort of dopamine hits so i think again this is definitely comedians who are not experts on this on the neuroscience but uh i'm guessing because you're just um uh you know you're you're achieving a certain neurochemical response from doing these behaviors, whether they're good behaviors or bad behaviors, that's probably why it's easier to do the things that are laborious and tedious as opposed to not do the things um, that are uh, objectively bad for you. But, John, what do you think about the whole question, first of all, and what are your thoughts I'm amazed that he has been able to cross off so many days that are purple. And it's remarkable, that's great. And it? the fact that he's even asking about this really shows that he doesn't actually need any help, especially when he's slapping himself on the wrist for, I'm guessing, smoking a cigarette out of those few mm. weeks. That's an amazing accomplishment too. right not- there. 
Not a lot of 23-year-olds doing all of that. Hmm. So, I got to say, kudos, first of all. And you're right. Everything in life is... You're so right. It's much, much, much easier to do things like the other thing because they're all habitual. They're all habits. Mm. And I think that what's really happening there, and I think that this is just a slow, inevitable transition that you're obviously in the process of, you start moving away from the other habits and then your immediate inclination is to go do the other thing. Like for me, God, I feel weird in a day if I don't write now. But there was a long period of time where it was hard for me to discipline myself to write. But now it's just like, I, I can't imagine what else I would be doing with my time. And I feel jittery when I'm not doing it. That will happen yeah. with your negative. Look again, if anybody can tell me how they've actually cracked the porn code, I would love to know how they did that. <laughs> Don't Hit you reckon? Bottom. That's weird. <laughs> hit rock bottom that was neil's is but is there another way to not feel like absolute shit is there another way because <laughs> i really don't uh, want to hit rock bottom if i can Bro, you know what it was like this oh, I can't, like i said the people the listeners of this podcast know more about my personal life than many of my close friends there was one girl after a show and like really like just stunning really really gorgeous and i couldn't i just couldn't get hard and i was like i'm either gay or i've got a serious problem here and what was it was it, it was coke or what it was a serious no, problem it was, like, it was just like i was a little bit i had had a bit to drink i wasn't drunk it was a bit of like look it was probably performance anxiety as well but it's just i was watching too much porn and I cut porn out, and then that was that hasn't been a problem. But that mm. really, like, that's that's the rock bottom I'm talking about. <laughs> Maybe that was yeah, too much that's pretty down there, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> but look, like Jordan said, those other once these behaviors become habitual, you actually get a negative internal response when you don't do them so right now every, when i'm waking up i'm straight into studying now and now i actually do feel strange if i don't do that whereas not doing a bad behavior doesn't give me any sort of you know there's no reward mechanism there there's there's a long-term reward mechanism but you don't get that immediate reward that you would by engaging in a good behavior. So I think, again, you need to talk to a scientist to understand the real uh, reason behind this. But I think uh, it's because the, uh, the positive effects that come from uh, not engaging in these bad behaviors are so drawn out and long term it's actually harder to uh, just not engage in them because the because the the benefit of actually engaging in them is 
is short term. It's immediate. It's immediate. It's an immediate little hit of dopamine that we're all chasing. Uh, similarly, if you if you get used to running every day, if you get used to doing the cold shower and the breathing and the reading, you'd also get, like I said, like you'd also get some sort of reward mechanism for doing that behavior. And you'd also get long-term advantages for consistently engaging in those behaviors. So I think that's why it's just, you get, you only get long-term benefit from not doing the bad behaviors where you, where you get both short and long-term benefit from doing the good behaviors. I think it's that simple, uh, but you're right. Like it, it does sort of doesn't make sense because a lot of those behaviors are actually quite challenging, which is good. The fact that you're doing that is really good. It, it, I wanted to transition into like an also and still relating to Mark's question here. Like a tra- I've been thinking about this over the last couple of days, life trajectory and you know the famous Tony Robbins quote, which is that people overestimate what they can do in a year, but they underestimate what they can do in 10 years. Mm. I think people should start seeing things like self-improvement and discipline in the same way people see something like compound interest, right? So each week, if you're saving, say, 50 bucks or you're just not engaging in some sort of, uh, you know, behavior that uses a you know, an excess of your disposable income. That's not a big difference to the person who's not saving that 50 bucks, for example, right? It's, it's a very small difference in the scope of your week. But over time, uh, if you're investing those 50, that $50 per week, over the course of 20, 30, 40 years, there will be a massive difference in your financial position compared to the person who wasn't saving that money. I think these sorts of little behaviors and little moments of discipline throughout the day have to be seen the same way. There's a, there's a compounding effect. So, okay, a cold shower for three minutes each day, sure, you get the immediate rush that comes with that. It wakes you up. But you compare yourself to the hypothetical person who's doing everything exactly the same as you. They're just not doing the cold showers. And then you look, what's happened there is like the, the two parts of these people are diverging, right? But then over time that divergence grows and it grows and it grows because the compounding effects of that positive behavior or limiting the negative behavior is accumulating. And then as a result of that, there are even, there are spill-off effects from that. So, you know, the person who maybe isn't getting absolutely plastered drunk every Saturday night is instead maybe, let's say, drinking one or two beers, will they also have the capacity to be more productive on a Sunday? Now, over the course of one or two years, that may not make a huge difference compared to the friend that is getting absolutely plastered on the Saturday. But the flow-on effects will also compound over time in the sense of say this person who's more productive on a Sunday can do just that extra little hour of work preparing for the week ahead that then results in a promotion in three years time. Well, that promotion results in a higher salary than the other person. Higher salary results in higher status, uh, the ability to, uh, 
obtain not just more resources, but more useful resources. And again, these will help you. So there's just this constant compounding effect of simple good behavior. It's just something as simple as reading for 60 minutes a day. It can even be reading 20 minutes a day. The compounding effect of that over the course of a lifetime is immense, immense. Mm. And you just have to see it that way. You know, you can, you can sit there and look at yourself and say, I'm in such a low point right now. I'm, I'm, you know, I can, I'm comparing myself to the other people around me and they're doing a lot better than me by whatever metric I gauge that through. Well, sure. Right now you're at completely different points of this hypothetical graph, but there was a point where you were probably closer together and that other person engaged in simple little behaviors daily, weekly, whatever it may have been. And then their trajectory was different. It, it's similar to say two countries that have a similar GDP and one's growing at 2.5%, the other's growing at 3%. Not, not a huge difference. But over the course of 30, 40, 50 years, there will be a big difference. And all that extra GDP, well, what are the compounding effects of that? more social services, uh, better funded um, <laughs> police force, uh, other public institutions, better infrastructure. And then, and then how much more does that uh, positively affect the country and the environment? And, and, and does that then contribute to even more than this 3% growth, right? So, this is he's been doing this for two weeks, which is important, but the big changes will come over a long period of time over 10 years, over 20 years, over 30 years. Wow, what do you think about all that? Just, well, just life just trajectory. I am talk so, about. yeah, I'm jealous that the man has already put up a calendar that's taken this stuff all off. As he goes along, because 10 years from now, the fact that he is graphing that marked improvement on me, who was just at best saying, okay, these are the things I need to do today. Oh, I didn't tick them off, but at least I wrote a list. That's a better way of doing it. And I'm sure that you learned that at your fancy tertiary education school. But may I just say, I think that that might be... <laughs> That might be... Which you went to. <laughs> did I go... Yeah, that's right. I went to UNSW, didn't I? Ah, precious memories of which I clearly have none. Uh, and he was saying... Just the graveyards. That, yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got those memories. Don't you worry. No memories in UNSW. And why? Because <laughs> they're all frigid. Ah, that was a wasted four years. <laughs> <laughs> You had to get action at Sydney Uni. What the fuck's that all about? Damn foreigners. That was the thing, I'm oh, telling yeah. you. Socialist it's just that they're like foreign right, exchange students. <laughs> huh? Socialist alternative. They they love to fuck. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Men and the women. If they belong to those categories, wouldn't they? I'm sure they're fucking... A lot more at UCID than UNSW. Uh, then again, yeah. I don't, you know, I'm sure the colleges at UNSW would uh, 
be pretty wild. But look, we're talking about good behaviors here. So no yeah, more. Yeah, that's uh, right. Not getting our rocks off. Sexual conduct. <laughs> <laughs> uh What I yeah 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 I I I think that that one act alone, if you keep it up, that is exactly what Neil is talking about. So I think that with a lot of these things, and I was thinking about this recently, that when you start something, the usual inclination is to get excited about it because you're motivated. But motivation mm, doesn't last mm. long. What does last is habits. Yep. And it's great to have the motivation in the first place. I remember at the beginning of lockdown, I was like, that's it. I'm going to start doing seven self-help videos a week. And I did it for a while and it just became overwhelming. And then I went down to none. And then I slowly built myself back up and now I'm doing four. Now that comes from, I think that first overzealous spurt and then slowly you start to meet an equilibrium. And then from the equilibrium, you build up from there. So I think that what's happening here, and not to take it away from you, because you're clearly uh, embodying the principles of self-help far better than I think I ever have in my entire life. So I'm jealous of you. But you wait. You wait and you will look back at that and your level of competency would have increased so much at removing these kind of nasty habits. You would have even forgotten that you had those habits. And the thing is, because life just sort of works like that, that you just move from one phase to the next sort of subconsciously and in a bit of a daze, you won't notice. And then you will go back and you'll look at it and you'll think, oh yeah, that's right. I used to smoke. I forgot about that. That seems to be what's happening here. You've actually done the best, the absolute best of what you can short of getting a really, really good life coach. But again, you're doing a university degree in that, so you don't even need to. What, what, I'm, what I'm saying and here is that like, you know, the, 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 there's nothing, there's no shame in starting small and there is a natural inclination to mm. think that you're not doing enough. But starting small is far more effective than just going out big because at least you continue to do it. You don't notice small changes. It's very incremental. It's again what Neil's talking mm -hmm. about with compound interest. Just like with you starting off with $2 a, a day and then that turns into $20 a day down the track. Same thing. Mm, mm. And and that's a, a, a key moment you have to look out for when you've lost motivation, can you still engage in the good behavior? It's great. It's, it's easy to uh, do what you need to do when you're motivated. Uh, but the, the real discipline doesn't come from engaging in the behavior when you are motivated, but uh, those days where you just don't want to do it. Now, can you still, uh, whether you do it to the fullest extent, at least engage in the behavior to some degree. So on those really rough days, if you're just 
you know, even if you run for say 20 minutes instead of 60 minutes, okay, you've still then, you know, you're, 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 you're forming, you're solidifying that habit. You know, I, I, I hear stories of people who just on those days where they just can't do it, they'll just go to the gym and not even do any working out, but they'll just go there and then just go back home because because it's just it's so ingrained into their routine then and then in the future that um continued solidif- solidifying of said habit will pay dividends mm mm mm, mm. yeah you uh, yeah like the you, Keynesian think economics it... of self help right you want to um Make sure the lows aren't too low. <laughs> yes. Gotta, yeah. You got to mitigate against that. And I think, yeah, it's just, there is an inclination when going into self-help that you're looking for a magic pill. There is sort of just this mentality that out there, there is going to be something that solves all of my problems and it'll go away. And it actually does remind me a lot of comedy where when you're writing jokes and when you're writing scripts, you are never, ever satisfied with it. You're never satisfied after you've performed it. You're never satisfied while you're writing it. It's a Mm. art because there is no finished end product that's what i think must be so satisfying as neil and i have discussed about being say a tradie or doing some kind of data entry job there's a definite point where you say that task is done that is unfortunate about the artistic world and i think that self-help actually is a lot like that that there's all these techniques and there's all of these it's kind of like dieting it's endless But the point is that doing any form of dieting is going to be better than just eating like a pig. And it is the same when it comes to self-help. Yep. You, you like, and there's always just this thing of like, there's going to be like the perfect way of doing life that just doesn't really exist practically. Uh, And so, yeah, like I, I think that there has to become some sort of acknowledgement of just the comparison. The comparison has always gotten me out of a loop of like, Man, there are a lot of your friends right now that are having a wank while you're listening to a podcast of two guys that do follow self-help saying that you're following self-help better than them. (laughs) Well, you know what? If you do have a wank, don't do it to porn. (laughs) Use your imagination. Yeah. Yeah, do it like a yeah, real man. Eh? No fap is too. I, I actually really admire guys who do complete no fap. That's genuinely impressive. After like four days, I just can't. <laughs> I can't. Um, mm. Yeah, it's too much. Good for them. But another good. But again, I want to know. Market and... Well, yeah, go on. If you did no fap for a long period of time without, uh, you know, Neil striking true tragedy. Let us know how you did it, but continue. <laughs> I did actually like last year I was, but I, I mean, I had girlfriends. So it doesn't count. 
I didn't realize this. I thought no fap just meant not um, having a pool, engaging in self pleasure. But uh, I think it just means actually not uh, orgasming at all, which I that's yeah, like I said, four days and then you're just you're just looking at pillows and you're like, that is fucking hot. Mm. Anyway. Nice place to be though, because even when you save up for a couple of days, it's better <laughs> than doing what three in a day. Yeah, 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 true. Yeah. Anyway, I've revealed way too much this podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> another good uh, market analogy, if you will. What do they say? They say time spent in the market beats the time you act. Time entered in the market. I don't know what the exact phrase is, but what they're trying to say is just the longer you keep your money in the market you know over time there will always be a growth trend over the space of 10 years um even during the great depression i think uh there was still some i can't remember what if it, if it was just after the great depression or even during the great depression if you kept your money in there for a 10 year period it was it was it would always grow at the end of that 10 year period but anyway a lot of people think about like oh look at this one great stock or like oh look at this one year where the market's hot i got to stay in there no 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 look the people who just stay in there consistently for 20 30 40 years they're the ones who are uh, rich by the end of it similarly this is this is brilliant what you're doing in two weeks. And this also this question was okay. It's a pretty recent one, so it was uh, about ten days ago. So by the time this podcast comes out, it might have been close to a month since you've started this initiative. So um, if you're trending upwards, you know your consistency is improving. That's really what you want to aim for because. You've started with a bang here. Like this is an incredible amount of discipline and great habits. The, mm. the, the, the key is, you know, in, in one or two years, are you still doing them? Don't, mm. don't burn mm. yourself out because like that's, you know, the person who does all of this for a month versus the person who does, say, two of these habits for, for three years. Over After three years, that person who's just doing two of the habits is going to, I would guess have have uh, a a great that would have a greater effect on them. Mm. So uh, mm. time spent uh, performing positive duties and uh, avoiding negative duties is is more important than just the intensity at which you perform those positive duties or uh, abstain from the uh, negative. Uh, we'll say behaviors, not duties necessarily. You just look, you, you always have to think long-term with this kind of thing. You know what's really cool, Neil, that I never thought about? I really like the thought that there is a bunch of people listening to this podcast that are probably on the, for lack of a less lame word, path that this guy's on. And it's really nice to know mm. that there's some kind of reinforcement happening in their mind that there are other people that are doing the same thing as well, because it kind of makes that standard in your life of yes. Uh, just because your friends aren't doing it doesn't mean that you're like completely strange for doing it because it mm. is something that mm. did 
definitely play on me when I started doing it. I could imagine because you started at what eighteen or something. So yeah, I could only imagine. I definitely gave into peer pressure. I mean, I also was enjoying it, and I still, I, uh, I do drink and I do. Man, those vapes are fucking good. <laughs> they're also they're like porn. They are <laughs> those blueberry vapes. Jesus yep. Christ, they are addictive. Mm, oh, they mm. are good. I, I literally say to my uh, friend that I do comedy with, I'm like, all right, I'm buying a vape. This is for me. I'm giving it to you. You regulate my vape use here. <laughs> like I can't. They're so wow. fucking addictive. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. But I think because I'm jad addicted, I think I should probably just. Stop. Um, yeah, maybe, but sounds like that's going to be a task in itself. Yeah, God, they get they're far, fucking. When did they? But Neil, a did you like thing? smoking cigarettes? No, not as much as the vapes, man. Like the the cigarettes, I like the the rush afterwards, right? Mm. I've smoked cigarette for quite a while now, so I'm pretty proud of that. Maybe been two years, um, but. Well, I mean, the vape is basically the same thing. Uh, I mean, I've read some studies that show it's not, they're not as dangerous. The toxins aren't as bad, but look, you're, you're breathing in some sort of weird concoction of chemicals and um, generating a head spin. It's obviously not good for you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but no, I like the, the, the taste and even the effect more than a cigarette. They're really addictive for me. Ooh, I heard that. Yeah, I think, what, like, again, this is just moving from MySpace to TikTok. It's the next level of evolution. So it makes a lot of sense. It's just some people find smoking very pleasurable or just the concept of smoking and vaping and others don't. I'm just wondering where mm. you were in that category. And I don't really understand no, the d- reason like why. Like, I do find them. Well, why else would anyone do it other than finding it pleasurable? I mean, sure, some people might be doing it to fit in, but there's a clearer, to me, there's just there's a definite nicer head spin in the clouds type effect after every... Uh, puff mm. and it's it is very addictive that's why Isn't these it? companies make trillions of dollars it's just this constant arms race of um discipline and uh temptation mm. and in a weird way that's maybe what actually drives innovative technology these vape companies knowing how much profit they can make. So they develop some kind of new process uh, to uh, engineer their product, which then actually can be used for the rest of society for good means. So human, um, human temptation can actually be a driver for uh, technological innovation. How bizarre. What a bizarre world. (laughs) I think another lesson from 
just constantly being inundated with self-help over 10 years is anyone that you come across that has this kind of, uh, yeah, I did that. Uh, I, I got over it. It's just a very unfortunate thing about reading these books. You start to realize, a sl you start seeing a slide as soon as you stop paying attention to it. And even something as simple as, for instance, I just listened to 10 minutes of Tony Robbins in the morning. Just any kind of small reminder of these principles worth its weight in gold. Don't ever be one of those people that just has a bunch of Wayne Dyer books on their bookshelf and then someone asks them about it and they say, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I learned all there is to learn from that. It's just not that field. It's, it is brushing your mm. teeth. That's this. It's, you cannot hear these messages enough because there's too many temptations in life, which is what the entire previous podcast was about. Oh, also. Mm, that's a good point. I need to, I haven't read a self-help book for a while. So good, uh, but good like, reminder there. It's a good reminder. You don't necessarily have to read a self-help book in today's modern age. You can just listen to some inspirational quote uh, thing on the on, on YouTube for 10 minutes. Just something. Something. Yes, plenty of that. Just think of it as brushing your teeth. Um, yeah. Also, just on a purely selfish level, does anyone know any good architects? What? <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> I was just thinking about it because I've just been looking for a house for so long and I'm not, I'm not playing the game anymore. They all suck. I'm just going to get a crap house on a good piece of land and I'm going to demolish it. And I'm going to take great pleasure in blowing up that ugly brick wonder. And then I want to build... Hey, all right, all right, Neil, Neil. Ideally, what would your best house look like? Like, if if you if if you could oh. live in any house on earth, what would it look like? I don't want a big mansion, you know. To me, um, I want it cozy. Mm -hmm. uh, I would I would ideally like uh, an area that can be dedicated to what I do. Maybe a sort of podcast and re recording studio. Uh, ideal, if we're talking ideal house, I'd love a home gym in there. I would like a nice big garden and then just, uh, plant walls and, and, uh, you know, places you can, uh, add plants to the house would be nice. Um, what else? What about, would you, would you like one of those, um, planted walls? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, any any way you can fit any more plant. You know those new skyscrapers that are just covered in vertical plant walls. Like, yeah, that's what I'd want in a house. There's also There's that reasonable uh, maintenance. Not 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 nothing after water every single day. But um, no, 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 Christ, no. Um, just yeah, yeah just, keep going with that house. Actually, yeah. Sort of kitchen would I want? I mean that I'm not look something relatively spacious. Just other than that, you got your basics. Um, in terms of the interior, I'm not too 
don't have any preferences there. Like I said, I don't want anything too. I don't actually like living in a house that's too big. It's just it's, I like there's something cozy and comforting about living in a house that feels like a a cottage, a home. Mm. Um, but I don't want to live in one of those. What do they call those sort of like small houses for for climate change? I think micro houses. Uh, yeah, I'll, look, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to put some carbon into the atmosphere. I'm not going to live in a little den. Um, yeah, nuts to that. <laughs> uh, what else? Other than that, I, honestly, I don't. It's not something I've really thought about at length. Mm. But that's why, there you go. They're my priorities. The, the studio to, to film and then a home gym. That's <laughs> exactly what you'd expect. Come on. You could have, anyone who listens to this could have predicted that. What about you? But what design would it look like? Oh, in terms of that, the actual architect. Oh, man. I, honestly, I don't. I really don't care. If it's sturdy and it holds up against relatively extreme weather, then I don't really care. Mm. I don't I mean I haven't actually thought about it. I'm sure if I was looking for a house, it's something I'd think about. But what about you? What's uh what's your ideal design? What sort of an architect are you any any architects that are listening to this if you'd like to design jordan's house he's taking applications seemingly i am actually taking applications and if you want to if you want to talk let's talk because this is pretty much my vision how much do you think it would cost to make the ex machina house what's the ex machina house have you seen the movie ex machina no i don't think Mm, no, you you would like that movie a lot, actually. That'd definitely be up your alley. But all right, just one of the you know those houses okay. where they're like really modern wooden, and they have heaps of floor to ceiling windows everywhere, and they kind of just blend in with nature around them. That's um, what I want. Okay, okay, I can't specifically imagine what you're talking about, but I, I can sort of visualize, I, I think what you're, well, I, I like, okay. I like my apartment here is very, it's one of those open plan where, you know, the kitchen isn't separate from the lounge room. It's all one big sort of open space. And I do like mm. that. I like uh, open areas. Yeah. Your classics, you know, I, I went, lots of natural light. <laughs> Yeah, who doesn't um, want that? Yeah, who who doesn't want natural light? Who the hell's like, nah, I want it to be nice and dark. Yeah, damp. That's me. Of course, Ugh. it shouldn't. You shouldn't have to say I want natural light in a in a house. It just seems obvious. What is that? Okay, maybe if you're living in the desert, okay, that natural light can result in it becoming a greenhouse. But <laughs> for the most part, no, you might. I haven't really thought at length about whether it's an east or west facing window. I don't know enough about that. Um, yeah, Me preferably either. one that's sustainable in the sense that it's you know has things like rainwater tanks and 
solar panels and um, can be off grid for a couple of days if need be, preferably longer, whatever's, you know, reasonably affordable. I think it's actually fairly cheap to make I don't need a massive garden, but yeah, medium-sized garden will be will be nice. That'd work. Um, yeah. The Damn, other thing is it's such a like adult thing to think about. I've never really. Yeah. I know, I know. It's it's horrible. It's just called turning thirty. You'll know. As soon as you do, you're just obsessed with. Oh, is that floor to ceiling? Is it? Yeah, two bathrooms. Yeah, that's nice. Um, but I've a bit of experience looking for apartments, but, uh, there's just less range of what you could actually explore. You know, you just needed preferably one in the car space, a balcony, and then, um, good to other go. than that, <laughs> just anything as, as closer to the city as possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think that you did it right. Buying a house when you did it your age. If you can afford to buy a house where your main priority is, uh, can I go to the city and pick up and the chick won't be like, ooh, that's ages away. I'm not going home. That's the best time to buy a house, I think. Jesus Christ. Is that what you ask the real estate agent? But I think we all know what's going on there. Am it's I like in the, a in single the young man is radius? asking for an apartment? Huh? Oh, uh, yeah, look, sure. That was a was good to have my own cave, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's something um, about when I was when I was single, I didn't like going to I didn't like staying the night at the girl's house. I wanted her to stay the night here. Yeah, of some course. sort of weird weird Convenient. caveman uh impulse of like no you come back to my cave like I, it's, it's just it's weird well and also because most of the time they're like okay we have to shut up so my roommates don't wake up wow that really gets me in the mood it's way better when you just have your own yeah space. one night one night stands in, in share houses and not as so weird as, uh, and and just coming home someone with a random man yeah it's so Look, awkward talking to the housemates as well. It's they're, they're either giggling or they're just like really. It's just really awkward small talk. And then the next morning, you kind of just want to leave. You know, you just it's a crime scene. Get me out of here. I want to nurse this hangover. <laughs> and speaking of behaviors not to do, look, yeah, you don't don't do that. <laughs> it's a great fantasy to be like a. Did you know Dan Bilzerian has had like three heart attacks? Coke. Pretty sure he was on Coke and then he took Viagra while he was on Coke. <laughs> and then and he, he did, did it, it twice. again. And then and it got on here. Fucking hell. Like, Isn't he a perfect, fake? That's what a deep fake. Fuck, I don't know. I don't but know if he's a deep fake, but isn't he? He's it, not. What, wasn't the whole thing that. Dan Bilzerian, I can't remember. All I just remember is there was a bunch, it was very popular on YouTube for a bit. Dan Bilzerian exposed. Oh, well, maybe. Uh, look, 
wouldn't be surprising because I'm sure uh, the image he portrays on social media is not real. It's just just a classic trope of social media isn't real life. But Dan Bilzerian fans need to hear that. That's not a happy man. I can't. I can't imagine that's a fulfilled. Happy man. Look, he's got great. I'm sure he'd have great, great stories. But after a while, the the utility of those stories wears out. You know, you develop a lot of confidence, and then you have a lot of fun. But then it reaches a peak where, you know, once you've had enough of those fun times, there's not. What more do you need? You know, it plateaus. The the utility mm. you get from that seriously diminishes mm. because it's well what more like how much more do i need to do exactly that like end up in a fucking share house somewhere awkwardly talking to some housemates <laughs> yeah <laughs> what was that <laughs> just just that annoying giggle <laughs> hey also uh, somebody in the comments <laughs> section from uh, this podcast, I was just randomly looking at it, and they started talking about green roofs, and I started going through that, and that is my new obsession. Oh, what's that? And if anybody knows oh. any more about... Hmm? Is that the from the podcast we're talking about, about making your home... Nice and eco-friendly. Well, I'll tell you, man, you put a green roof. I'd be pushing for it in my strata if I was you. I looked into it. I'm pretty sure that if you live in an apartment block, it's cheaper. It reduces cooling costs by like 40%. You have to use your air conditioner 40% less if you just put some plants on the top of your roof and uh, there's it, all a bunch of other... On the top of the whole apartment or just every every level's roof? No, yeah, no, no. On top of the whole apartment. You know when you yeah, look okay, down from okay. the plane and you just see empty concrete slabs? I was always thinking that looks so unnatural. That it's just such a waste of space, okay. but it actually acts as like a, a massive um, hopping space for animals as well. Like you go back there in a year and there'll be a bunch of bees up there and there'll be uh, ants and there'll be birds. Uh, if you put a pond up there, obviously there's just going to be, how weird is this? Sometimes there's just randomly fish up there. How the fuck did they get up there? <laughs> so weird. There? What the fuck? How? Oh, nature is very resilient and and incredible. But that's <laughs> so obviously a bird has bird maybe or maybe it's, it's just... like that they're so light as eggs or something. Maybe they get up in the cloud and then it rains. <laughs> what? I don't know. Or maybe it's just people put them in there. Who the fuck knows? But the clouds suck up fish eggs and it ra- they rain them down onto apartment roofs. I don't Biology know. I 101. D- <laughs> <laughs> I think um, our apart I think the, the people who in, in, in this apartment block, the uh the people on the top floor ha- that it's their 
space. Like there actually are gardens. They're like balcony gardens on the top floor and it's whoever owns the apartments on that top floor. It's their personal um, space. So I don't think it's. Oh, okay. So they've got a penthouse at the top. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. But I'm just thinking, like, because I I asked my local council friends and they said, no, that's a state issue if you had to mandate it in construction of apartment blocks. But there was just so many added advantages to, I I, I suppose, even just making like a marsh at the top. It didn't even seem like it was that much. I think it ended up being $100 per square meter. So, you know, if you're talking about a complex with, I don't know, two, 300 apartments in it really doesn't seem like it would be that much of a stretch to just say to everybody, Hey, do you want to save 40% on your power bills this year? And then there's just so many added advantages to it. Apparently it's really good. Even the other thing is if you started doing that across cities, uh, you would reduce the city's overall temperature by something like five degrees. That's phenomenal. Because you're basically Whoa. just turning the city what? back into a rainforest How? again. I guess it's because there's something called like a I can't remember, but there's a mass heating wow. effect that happens when there's so much concrete. And also, it's like really oh. damaging when it does rain. There Not that go. it matters really that much in Australia, but when all that water, excess water, just pisses down and just goes into the storm water yeah. drain. Yeah. A wasted water, but B. It's actually damaging to the environment and like, uh, you know, fucks mm. with stormwater and everything. That's absorbing it. And then it just goes back into the clouds again. So again, it, like it actually starts changing the microclimate and makes, which is very important wow. in a place like Australia, more rain. Wow. Well, there you go. That's a little example of uh, compounding effects of... Uh you know, each individual apartment block doing this green roof, which, you know, everyone benefits. There's no, it doesn't sound like there's any downside to this if it's done properly. Yeah, I really don't think there is. I don't, if anybody knows, just let me know if there's businesses that do this. Uh, let me know if you're an expert in this field. Uh I I want to learn more about it and what the roadblocks are in this country, because to me, it really seems like a no brainer. China, as usual, leaps and bounds ahead. They're kind of mandating it in their cities. And now when you go over them in drones, you see it. And it starts to look like one of those idyllic pictures of what a city looks like somewhere in the far off distant future where people have hover cars. It's just all these green Mm. spaces on top of all of the buildings. Yeah, I went to Shenzhen um, a couple of years ago, and it was remarkably advanced. Yeah, the infrastructure and and yeah, the the greenery. It was not what you'd have expected from. Well, what is still considered an emerging nation? There's the the average GDP there is still as as large as the overall economy is. The average GDP still isn't close to Western countries, but. Mm. That particular mm. city was was beautiful, better than Sydney, 
mm. in terms of just just the appearance, the aesthetic of it. It was really well kept. Mm. Mm. Well, what do they mm. say? You know, the, 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 <laughs> hey, di- dictatorships are good if the trains run on time, but. Mm. No, from what I also hear, they hide a lot of the poverty in China. They, you know, they sort of wherever the tourists go, they they have hidden the poverty away. <laughs> oh yeah, but, but then look, again, you I, never I know what everyone the, is does. The Western though, media don't they? lying to you and what? Yeah, I know. You just never know. I don't know what to. It's just also is. there's a thing of like when you're a tourist, you only want to see the good things. I mean, there's some vicey people that would say, "Yeah, I want to go to a slum," but. Most people just want to see the biggest building in China and then go home. Mm. But what do no, they they've... call that? Western uh, poverty porn, where they're like, "Yeah, I just want to see you take photos with all the poor people. It's so inspiring how happy they are." Such a fucked yeah, that's word. A poverty porn. Purely self-indulgent uh, exercise. Mm. I don't benefit from seeing you. <laughs> I mean, they're probably neutral. I'm, I'm sure they're indifferent. They probably don't care. But you know, it's nothing. <laughs> like, what are you doing? What? I'm virtuous about observing <laughs> poverty. It's I virtuous know. if you can actually do something about it. <laughs> Just what are you doing? Like, oh, look at them! Wow. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> they're not animals at the zoo. <laughs> So weird, isn't it? Mm. Well, any uh, any concluding remarks for Mark here? I Mark covered everything. I think he's doing yeah, everything I think, well. Honestly, for you, steer the course, Nick. You're doing super long term. Yeah, just think in terms of the long term. Of you've probably already thought about this, but the trajectory of what you're doing. Is phenomenal. And the fact that you're actually measuring this stuff, my God. I never did that. I did all of the more fun things, I suppose. The, 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 but the measuring one sounds so important. So I, I, I really can't offer that much to you. I just think that that's really impressive. Good on you, Mark. Good on you, Mark. Keep it up. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me know, send me an email. We'll, we'll do an update. Mm. Uh, but that brings us brings us to the end of uh, Neil and Jordan this week. I think, assuming that uh, Sydney stays on track to open up, we should be back in person next time around. So it'll be good to finally see you again in a non-virtual setting. I mean, I'm kind of used to this now, but... Um, that will be nice. Uh, send us in any other, if you have a topic or a question, neilcohacker.com slash podcasts and Crush Organics brought to you by Crush Organics, Neil, with a K. Use the code Neil, 40% off, solidgps.com. See you next time. Bye, gang. <laughs>